man, I, I said this first, so I feel like we can go home right now. <laughs> but I've got a few more minutes with you, and um, I want to share something with you. You've heard pastors say many times, there were five things that changed his life. Anybody here ever heard that before? Yeah. yeah. And those five things are the Word of God, Spirit of God, and prayer, great leadership over our lives, a place to serve, and good people to connect and associate with. And with everything that's going on in the world today, I thought that I would bring that word to you, but I also want to give you kind of my perspective on it after being with and serving with Pastor for over 23 years and how those five things have started to shape and change my life to the point where we are, where we are today. So um, here's the thing, though. You need to decide. You need to make a decision that these five things are something that you individually figure out how to focus on so they can change your life as well. So number one, the word of God. So this is Leon. I, I could talk about you, but I'm not going <laughs> to. Instead, I'm going to talk about me. And what I used to do was I used to religiously watch all the news shows, read the newspaper, and just get upset all the time. All the time. Drove my wife crazy. All the time. Did you hear what he just said? Oh, God. But here's, here's what's really sad is I paid so close attention to what those people were saying, I actually made decisions based on what I was hearing and what I was reading. And in effect, was actually making decisions based on advice from people I did not even know and who definitely did not know me. I was being led in a direction that was not in line with God's word and what he had planned for my life, and man, that was so not cool. Based on my decisions on watching what I was seeing on TV, I can laugh about it now. It wasn't funny then. What I was reading online, and I know right now I'm the only person in this room that has ever done that. So I know I am. I know nobody here has ever done anything like that. <laughs> and then one day, I show up at Harvest Church, and I heard this guy named Pastor Coyne say this. He was holding up his Bible, and he said, this is the word of God, and this is my final authority. And I remember we were at the old church, and I was sitting in the back, and I remember some memories I have very distinct. Others are kind of fuzzy. This one's pretty distinct. And I remember saying, wow, man, that is awesome. And I immediately went back home, turned on the news, and got my newspaper out. <laughs> That's crazy, right? But eventually, though, here's, you know, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. I think English teachers call that a, um, a, some sort of participle or something. Uh, I don't know. I mean, now I'm getting myself in trouble. I'm talking about stuff I don't know nothing about. Um, but pastor kept repeating it, and eventually I started hearing it. And I started reading the Bible for myself because I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, and the only Bible that I ever saw growing up was, it was like about this wide, this long, and about this thick, and probably weighed 42 pounds, sat on my mama's coffee table, and about once a week she dusted off, but I never saw anybody open that bad boy up. <laughs> Matter of fact, I wonder to this day, I was like, man, it was like this thick. I was like, I wonder what was in there. Was it big writing? I mean, I, I don't know. But I never, I never had anybody model the behavior of reading the Bible before me. But then I started reading it for myself, and I slowly began to realize that God had a lot to say about how I was living my life. He had a lot to say about what I should do to solve my problems and the challenges I was experiencing. 
And I started discovering scriptures like Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 through 4 says this, Blessed, fortunate, prosperous, and favored by God is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, following their advice and example, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit down to rest in the seat of scoffers or ridiculers, but his delight is in the law, the word of the Lord, and on his law, his precepts, his teachings, he habitually meditates day and night. And the person that does that will be like a tree firmly planted and fed by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers and comes to maturity. I was like, wow. Then I discovered in Psalms 19, verse 7 through 9, from the message translation, it says, the revelation of God, this is awesome. The revelation of God is whole, and it pulls our lives together. The signposts of God are clear, and they point out the right road. The life maps of God are right, showing the way to joy. The directions of God are plain and easy on the eyes. Listen to this. God's reputation is 24 karat gold with a lifetime guarantee. I mean, come on now. 24 karat gold with a lifetime guarantee. The decisions of God are accurate down to the nth degree. Now, I work in an industry, an information technology industry, where I work with a lot of engineers and a lot of people with um, uh, more degrees than Fahrenheit. And, <laughs> and uh, really smart people. And a lot of times I'm in meetings and they say these things and they're, and they're making it so complicated. And I say, guys, 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 let's try to simplify this. I want, well, instead of going from A to F and then back to A and then Z, and then, why don't we just do A and then B and then C if B works? Oh, 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 okay. All right, that, that makes sense. That's the kind of brain I have. And when I saw this, that the directions of God are plain and easy on the eyes. You know, it so fits in with such a good father that he is to make it so plain for us, to make it so easy for us. I began to see that God's word had answers to the challenges I was having in life. For health challenges, I learned from Isaiah 53, 5. But he, talking about Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our wickedness, our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoing. The punishment required for our well-doing fell on him. And by his stripes and wounds, we are healed. I saw this in 1 Peter 2.24. He, Jesus, personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. For becoming a better husband for my wife, I read this in 1 Peter 3.7. In the same way, you husbands, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. Man, I, that, when I read that, it was like a ton of bricks kind of fell on me. And it, I was like, wow, so if I don't treat my wife the way you say to, Father, you won't even hear my prayers. My prayers will be hindered. Husbands? Do I have any husbands in here? Don't be shy. Speak up. Okay. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. You, are, you want to make sure your prayers are answered, right? Hello? 
then you've got to treat your wives. You have to, we have to treat our wives the way God says we have to. Otherwise, all of our praying is in vain. For financial challenges, I saw that God had, God had a lot to say about finances. For instance, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 to 10, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your crops or your income. Then your barns will be abundantly filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. We'll just quote it, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 to 11. It's becoming one of our favorite scriptures around here because it is. And I think I know why. But this is what it says. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. The storehouse, folks, is the equivalent of the local church. How many of you are happy that we have air conditioning here today? The temperature right now outside is 84 degrees. Y'all happy we have air conditioning? How about the seat you're sitting in? Would you rather sit in that or sit on the floor? Probably if we made you sit on the floor, about half of y'all wouldn't even show up. <laughs> even if we had pillows or whatever. But the local church, obviously, to run this building, it takes finances. And uh, so God said, bring all the tithe into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. And then he goes on to say this, if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. And then he says, try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven armies. Two things about this scripture really got a hold of me. First, according to biblical scholars, people a lot smarter than me, they said this is the only place in the Bible where God says, try me now in this. They say it's the only place. Now, if I'm wrong, uh, please don't send me an email. Send it to GH. <laughs> but no, I, I, I've looked. I can't find another place. God said, try me now in this. And then the other thing, in, uh, in this particular translation, New Living Translation, it refers as to God as the Lord of heaven's armies. And then I started thinking, I spent 14 years in the U.S. military, and I'm a student of history, particularly World War II. And during World War II, um, the president at the time promoted Dwight D. Eisenhower to what was then called General of the Army. He, at that time, was the only five-star general in the United States Army. He was also given the title Supreme Allied Commander of European Forces. Now, why was he given that? Because the president wanted to make sure that when General Eisenhower gave an order, it got followed. There was nobody hired, and there was no authority hired in him other than the president of the United States because he was the general of the United States Army. Here we have, folks, the Lord of heaven's armies. The Lord of heaven's armies telling us, try me now in this. See if I will not open up the windows of heaven. Man, that got me. I slowly began to realize God's word has real solutions to the challenges and problems that we all go through. So guess what happened? By starting to read the word, taking God's advice, following as best as I can. Hey, listen, none of us are perfect, but we got to start somewhere. I started where I was. And so what happened was my health started getting better. Our marriage started getting better. Our finances started getting better. Relationships with other people started getting better. That was the first thing of these five things, the Word of God. I started focusing on it. Number two, the Spirit of God in prayer. In the process of making the Word of God my final authority, I started paying a lot more attention 
to my prayer life and I started learning how to listen to the Spirit of God and how he wanted to direct my life. The Apostle Paul, who's one of my all-time heroes for many different reasons, but he said this. He was being taken by ship to Rome to be tried on a trumped-up charge, on a bogus charge, and that's a whole other story. And during the voyage, he said this in Acts 27.9. He said, now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, them being the sailors, saying, men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also of our lives. And what was the source? When I read that, I said, well, what was the source of Paul's perception? It was the Spirit of God, warning the man of God giving the man of God some inside knowledge or word of knowledge that he could share with others to hopefully save their lives. And in, in, the, in the Bible, in several places, you'll see the phrase, it seemed good to me, or it seemed good to us. And I don't know about you, but I find, some, find myself sometimes making decisions that sometimes I perceive to be good and other times I perceive to be bad. Matter of fact, Pastor Misty has been teaching us, I think the third Wednesday of every month, that the Spirit of God is a person and that He abides in us. And then Jesus said this in John 14, 16 to 17. He says, And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper, that He may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. And I found out that the Holy Spirit who knows everything about everything, about everything, lives in me. And that knowledge changed my life. So now, when my wife and I have to make major decisions, we just think about, okay, what are the options? And we prayerfully consider option A, and we check our heart. And then we prayerfully consider option B, and we check our heart. And whichever option gives us the most peace, that's where our next step will be. But there's a third part to this. Sometimes you won't get anything. You won't get a check, and you won't have peace. You'll just be kind of like neutral. And pastor taught me, he said, when that happens, just keep doing what you're doing. Or, in my case, I suspect some of you as well, whatever God, the last thing God told you to do, that's what we need to keep doing. <laughs> last time pastor said that, I was like, yeah, and God got all of me. He says, you remember about three years ago I told you to start working on this? Yes, sir, I do. He is so forgiving, though. He's like, he'll redeem the time if you just ask him, and he'll allow you. But work on whatever the last thing God told you to do. But when it comes time to make decisions, search your heart. Let peace be your umpire. You want, you want to follow the path that gives you the most peace. Even if the other path seems the most logical, even if the whole world is saying, take option A, but you don't have peace, you follow your heart. Amen? I also get a lot of direction from God during my prayer time. By the way, did you know that prayer is, like, is two-way communication? It's not just one way. It's not just me. Matter of fact, I rather enjoy it because um, I found out that the creator of the universe the maker of heaven and earth, the creator of the stars and all the planets and all the galaxies and universes that no human being even has a clue about, that same power that created 
wants to spend time with me, wants to spend time with you. Isn't that incredible? The same God that created the son that we're going to see when we leave here, that same God wants to fellowship with us. And in that fellowship time, I found out I learned more about what I should do and what I shouldn't do just reading the word and listening to God. It's amazing. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. God wants us to bring our needs and wants to him, but more than that, he wants to fellowship with us. It is so important that we all set aside time to pray each and every day. Romans 12, 12 says, rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. <laughs> I like that. Hannah, that could be a song. Keep on praying, okay? Anyway, Mark eleven twenty four says, I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. And folks, I submit to you, we all need to focus on the Spirit of God in prayer. Number three, this is huge. This is absolutely huge. Great leadership over our lives. Like a lot of folks, I grew up in a single-parent home. My wife had 10 ch children. I'm the oldest. And a good part of my childhood, I spent growing up in a neighborhood that a lot of y'all wouldn't be caught dead in. Matter of fact, uh, I'll politely refer to it as a very rough neighborhood. Some people will refer to it as the hood. Man, I grew up in the original hood, the one they made movies about. <laughs> when I saw those movies, I just started laughing. I'm like, really? Uh, y'all don't have a clue, okay? I had no leaders over my life until I joined the United States Army at the ripe old age of 17. And about a year later, I found myself on a plane on my way to Vietnam, and I get to Vietnam, and I run into these two guys, senior non-commissioned officers, the first sergeant and the field first sergeant, a field, field first senior NCO. And uh, these guys cared so much about their men that in my entire time in combat, we lost one guy. One guy. And the only reason we lost that guy is because he didn't listen. Well, our units all around us, they were losing, you, you, I'm sure you all heard stories of the Vietnam War, it was pretty bloody. Units all around us are losing 20, 30, 40, half a platoon. We lost one guy because of the leadership that we had. But here's the thing. There were aspects of those men's lives that even though I didn't know God, I wasn't in the world, I did not want to emulate. I did not want to emulate the drinking. I didn't want to emulate the, the, the severe cussing. My next experience with good leadership came from my last martial arts instructor, whom I trained with for over 10 years. This guy, he's a good man. He's a great fighter, he's a great teacher, but there were aspects of his life that were just not duplicatable or sustainable in my life. And then, over 23 years ago, I met this guy named Joseph Coyne, AKA Pastor. <laughs> this dude was different from any other pastor I, I'd ever met in my life. And I believe that his style of leadership is aptly described in this scripture, Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 to 27, which says this. But Jesus called them, them being the disciples together, and said, you know, the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it's going to be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. And I remember way back in the day when we were at the old church, the congregation was small enough that when Pastor and Pastor Misty could, they would... We, they would go to lunch with new people. And my wife Patrice and I went to lunch with them. And you know, the very first thing they talked about 
was how excited they were to be under the leadership of Bishop and Lady Joy Hash and how important it was for a pastor to have a pastor. I, I was stunned because in my limited church experience, most pastors I ever met, if you ask them, they said, you know what, I didn't have a mama or a daddy. God just brought me here, planted me right here in this church. I am, I, this is it. I, no, I don't have any leader other than God. And uh, that's good for them, but I learned from pastors that being a servant leader is what it's all about. As time went on, pastor continued to challenge me to follow God, study the word, and pray to be a good husband, good husband and a good steward. And as a great leader, he has not hesitated <laughs> to be um, strong, stern, whatever it is with me. As my, my behavior sometimes dictated that he needed to be. Listen, folks, it's been said that a good leader is excellent in what he or she does, but great leaders help others to be excellent. That's the kind of, that's the kind of leadership we have here. A great, another great benefit of recognizing the leadership that we have in this house is the covering that it provides. Do you know that you're prayed for every day? Every day? Every day? Did I say every day? Every day. Do you know that we have a prayer team that's absolutely, totally dedicated to praying over you each and every day? Do you know that through the Church Center app, if you have a prayer request, you can get on that app, shoot it off, and that immediately a whole bunch of people will be in agreement with you about whatever it is that prayer request? That is awesome. You know, I, I'm not really impressed by how much a person knows. I know people, again, that have highly educated, really smart people. I'm not impressed with how much wealth they may have accumulated. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. They just don't impress me. What I am very impressed with, though, is the level of service that one renders to another. That really impresses me. I've just referred to Matthew chapter 20. Let me kind of give you the backstory on that. There was a situation that Jesus had with his ministry team. So let me set this up for you. The mother of two of Jesus' disciples, James and John, had asked Jesus in Matthew chapter 20, verse 21, you can look this up. This is what she said to Jesus. She said, give your word that these two sons of mine will be awarded the highest places of honor in your kingdom, one at your right hand and one at your left hand. Now, here's the thing. The other 10 disciples heard them, heard James and John's mother say this. What do you think they said? Oh, that would be a great idea, Jesus. Yeah, let's go ahead and promote these two guys. No. No, that's not what they said. Verse 20, I'm sorry, uh, Matthew chapter 20, verse 24 says this. When the 10 others heard about this, they lost their tempers, thoroughly disgusted with the two brothers. I was like, wow, those guys were real. But what did Jesus, the ultimate leader, do? He got them together to settle things down. And he said, You've observed how godless rulers throw their weight around, how quickly a little power goes to their heads. It's not going to be that way with you. Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. That is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve and not be served. He came to give away his life in exchange for the many who are held hostage. That's why around here we don't just talk about leadership. We talk about servant leadership. We put that word servant before that word leader because if we're not serving anybody, we ain't leading nobody. 
And I, yes, I did say the word ain't. For those of you, yeah, and again, send all emails to GH. Don't send any to me, please. <laughs> oh. Folks, I'll submit to you that the greatest leaders are the greatest service, and we are incredibly fortunate in this house because Pastor and Pastor Ministry, I've known them for over two decades, and what you see on this platform, you talk to their kids, we, we have been with them in many, 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 many other situations. That is them. They are the real deal. And my wife and I are just two of the many lives in this church that have been changed because of their leadership. Number four, a place to serve. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 8. In the easy-to-read version, did you know there was a version of the translation of the Bible called easy-to-read? I love it. In your life together, think the way Christ thought. He was like God in every way, but he did not think that his being equal with God was something to use for his own benefit. Instead, he gave up everything, even his place with God. He accepted, and we're talking about Jesus here. He accepted the role of a servant appearing in human form. And during his life as a man, he humbled himself by being fully obedient to God, even when that caused his death, death at a, on a cross. And I have to tell you, having a place to serve, it has really changed my life. When I first came to Harvest, I had no interest in serving, wasn't thinking about serving. The only reason I was in church was because of my wonderful wife. Who's, I'm sure she's watching us right now, watching the service right now. The only reason why I was in church was because of her, because she knew I need, definitely need to have more God in my life. She was already a godly woman. And some way, somehow, she had, when I was working in Atlanta, she had, uh, she had gone to this other church, and she saw Pastor and Pastor Misty. So she kept saying, oh, you need to meet this couple. You need to, I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. So, and anyway, we... The, we wound up going to Harvest Church. So I'm the kind of guy, I sat away in the back. This is true. I sat in the back, and uh, we only had one service back then, and I would time, I'd say, man, as soon as that guy says, you're dis, before the, before, you know, the word dismissed, before that last D got out, I was out the door. And I, because I had more important things to do, like go home, take a nap, eat, and watch a game, not necessarily in that order. Um, and, but, he, but I started observing a few things. I started observing that there were actually physically men in the church who were serving who appeared to be happy doing so. How many of y'all know Robert Spain? Yeah. How many of y'all know, uh, <laughs> amen. How many of y'all know Carlos Guerrero? Yeah. I watched those two dudes and I was like, I mean, they were doing everything. And I was like, well, those guys, and they were smiling. I was like, man. I had never in my life, in the few times I've been to church, saw any man doing anything. And the, the few people I saw doing, they didn't look like they were happy at all. And so anyway, God kind of planted that thought in my head, but I still wasn't interested in serving until one day. I was almost out of the door, and this hand touches me on the shoulder and grabs me and says, Leon, can I talk to you for a minute? Sure. What's up? He said, a uh, pastor said, pastor told me to ask you, would you be interested in becoming an usher? I'm like, dude, come on, man. <laughs> Seriously, why, why are you asking? He said, pastor said. I've learned later on that a lot of leaders say pastor said. <laughs> so this is what he said. He said, he said, 
go home and pray about it. So I said, okay, that's fair. So I went home and prayed about it, and guess what? It seemed good to me. So I came back and said, sure, I'll serve. It was really funny back in those days. We had, uh, we had radios. They were like this big, and they were like, <laughs> they were like carrying a telephone book around. It was, it was incredible. Um, but anyway, and then a few years went by, and I, I, really, I, I found out that serving God was changing me and was doing things for my family that I hadn't even had, didn't have any clue about. And then a few years went by, and the same guy caught me leaving again. And I said, what's up now, man? I said, I'm, I'm being an usher. He said, yeah, but pastor said for me to ask you, would you consider being the head of the usher department? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, y'all must be scraping the bottom of the barrel to be asking me this question. He said, no, 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 pastor, pastor said, I said, stop what the pastor says, okay? Anyway, he said, go home and pray about it. <laughs> I did, and it seemed good to me. And you know what? What pastor says is true, you will serve your way to your destiny. Because if you had told me 23 years ago that I would be the executive director of one of the most spiritually alive, multi-generational, multi-racial churches in America, and standing before you on a Sunday morning, giving you this message, I would have told you you were crazy. But here I am. And you know what? Now, thank you for that, but that's, that, all that glory goes to God, because if, again, if you had told me this, I probably would have walked out the door and never come back. <laughs> but that's God, step by step. And I just, I, you know, when I'm before God every morning, I say, God, thank you. Because, and because of my service to God, it has changed. Oh, I could tell you so many different stories, not just about myself, but I look around this room and I see so many dedicated servants of God. And each of us have the same story about God, how God affected this situation we had absolutely no control over, zero, zilch, but God. And the reason why God did it is because, like Will was saying, we had God's attention. What got God's attention was our service. God loves it when we serve. And we give you plenty of opportunities around here to serve. I love this scripture in Hebrews 6.10, for God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. And guess what? He doesn't need an iPad, a laptop, or, or a desktop computer. He remembers everything we serve him. Oh, thank you, Father. I think, no, I know that because these five things have changed my life, I believe with all my heart that the rest of my life is going to be the best of my life. And I know I'm looking at several people in this room that could say the same thing. And a primary reason is because you cannot outgive God. That's why tithing works. You cannot outgive God. You will do much better on the 90% that you keep, and, but just by giving him the 10%. And then I found out, well, if you give offerings, I'm just talking about myself, on top of that, you can't outgive him. I mean, try it. Number five. Good people to connect and associate with. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says this. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Conversely, good company helps us to develop good habits. 
That's why we have small groups. We call them harvest groups, so we can develop long-term relationships with people, people that will pray for us, people that will be in agreement with us, people that will check on us, people will help lift us up and encourage us. You know, the world out there is not an encouraging world. But there are people in this room, people in this ministry that will give you the encouragement that you need. When Peter and John were arrested for preaching about Jesus, they were eventually released. And the Bible says in Acts 4.23, and being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. They went back to their own company of folks, people who believed in them, people who loved them, people who cared about them, people they could trust. Connection is huge here at Harvest. We have a great women's ministry called Authentic. We have a, with a wonderful group of ladies that women can be a part of. We have a great men's ministry here called Brave Men, awesome group of guys. And listen, none of us are perfect, nor are we pretending to be perfect. All of us are working on becoming better, all of us. Also having served with and leading the ushers for many years, I have personally developed relationships and friendship with many of the men around here and it's just incredible. I'm blessed to be part of a team of men that have incredible servant hearts, men who are dedicated to serving God and serving you. Tony Cook, who's a very prolific author, a wonderful man of God, said this. He said, we are deficient by design. That's the way God made us. God did not make human beings be out on the island by ourselves. No, we need God and we need each other. The enemy will try his best to keep you from joining a small group, keep you from joining a service team, keep you out of services like this, separate you from your friends, the, the, separate you from the people. You know, you, uh, pastor has said this many times. Sometimes if you're praying and you believe in God and the Spirit of God is in you, you can just show up in a room and all automatically irritation shows up. You don't even have to say a word. Because God is there, because you're there. But those same, same people that get irritated, a lot of them realize, you know what? Whatever it is that's on you, can you tell me about it? Because I need it on me as well. Man, the enemy knows he has a much better shot of influencing us if we are alone, as opposed to being part of a team or a group. So listen to this. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says we should keep on encouraging each other to be thoughtful and to do helpful things. Some people have gotten out of the habit of meeting for worship, but we must not do that. We should keep on encouraging each other, especially since we know that the day of the Lord's coming is getting closer. It is so important to attend church when we're able to. You know, being able to watch online is incredible, particularly, excuse me, if you're shut in, if you're undergoing an illness, but there is nothing like assembling together. Things happen, pastor has said this many times, things happen when we're together like this because the anointing of God is present. We don't even know the good that God is doing in and through us just because we assemble together. Having good people in our lives means having people we can talk to, men and women we can go to when we need prayer or when we need help. Men and women who do not judge us, but love us just the way we are. So let me give you a quick recap on what we just talked about. Five things that will help change your life as they have changed mine and many other people in this room if we consistently focus on them. Number one, the Word of God. 
I highly recommend read and meditate on it daily. I get up early, an hour early every morning, usually no later than 5 a.m., just so I could spend that one hour in prayer and reading the Word. Now, I'm not saying you need to do an hour, but I am highly recommending to you, make that the first part of your day. Pastor taught me a long time ago, he said, listen, he said, Leon, you'll have a much easier time facing man if you face God first. And so I, I make it a point to do that. And it's amazing the things that God, and I'll make sure I got a little notepad there too because a lot of times things will escape you. Number two, the spirit of God in prayer. If you're not already filled with the Holy Spirit, I highly recommend you do so. And then talk to, and more importantly, listen to God daily, daily. Most of the listening will be just from reading his word. But every now and then, God will speak with what's called a rhema word directly to your heart, specifically for you, specifically for a situation that you might be going through or a friend or family member might be going through. Number three, appreciate the great leadership over our lives. Listen to them. Follow them as they follow the Lord. Follow them as they follow the Lord. If Pastor and Pastor Misty were not following the Lord, Leon and Patrice would not be here. Because people who are in positions as this, who aren't following God, eventually God shows everybody what, who they really are. But man, this ministry, 24 years old this year? Seems like we're just getting started. 24 years old this year, and we're still, still going. Appreciate the great leadership we have over our lives. Number four, serve somewhere. If, you, if I ever tap you on the shoulder as you're leaving the building, you know something's up. <laughs> Use your talents and abilities by volunteering to serve on one of our awesome teams. As Pastor always says, folks, whether you realize it or not, it's true. You will serve your way to your destiny. Number five, associate with good people. Join a harvest group, join a service team, but whatever you do, do not do life alone. We were not meant to do life alone. We can't tell you how many, well, I'll just share this with you. My wife recently, just last week, underwent some surgery. And we kept Pastor and Pastor Misty informed all the way through, all the way through the diagnosis and the discussion with the doctors. And we prayed together, and they've been in agreement with us. And it just feels good knowing that we have leaders and people we can go to who just stand in there and say, hey, Pastor, we're standing with you. And he'll go, Leon, we're standing with y'all too. Amen. We're standing with each other because we need each other. There's not a person in, in this room, not a person in this room that either had, is not going through something, coming out of something, or headed towards something. We need God and we need each other, folks. Amen. Well, Father, we just thank you. <laughs> you are so great and so awesome. Thank you for this wonderful word. Thank you, Father, for giving us leaders after your own heart who have not only taught us these things in words, but they have emulated them. They have been such a tremendous example before us, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving us good leaders over our life. Thank you for giving us the place to serve. Thank you, Father, for giving us good people that we can connect with. We're so appreciative. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. And I just want to say, 
All the things I told you are great, but the very first thing that I had to do, to what set me on a course to even consider coming to church and even having a mindset that I would even think about these things was first accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And he changed my life. Now, I'm not saying when the, the day I accepted Jesus, a lightning bolt hit me and I would, no, it doesn't work like that. What does happen is he opens up your heart. You have 100% assurance that should your next breath be your last breath here on earth, then the very next breath will be your first breath in heaven. That's a great deal. That's a great deal. Before God got a hold of me through his son Jesus, I was floundering, I was lost. I had zero direction in my life. I was doing whatever I thought was best, but you know what? I quickly came to the conclusion that what I thought I knew was not best for me. But once I got saved, everything changed. Again, not immediately, and it's still in, I'm still in the process of changing. It didn't happen all at once. It's been a process, but boy, it has been worth it. Because of Jesus, I can again, again can honestly say the rest of my life will be the best of my life. So guess what? We're going to give you that opportunity too. God wants to give you the opportunity to have him become your father by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says there's just one way to the Father, and his name is Jesus. And we're all going to pray in a minute, because I'm not going to call anybody out, but I will say this, if, if you have any doubt whatsoever that if you, God forbid, this afternoon or tomorrow, you should die. If you have any doubt at all where you would wind up when you open up your eyes next, because there is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun, if you have any doubt at all, I highly recommend that you pray this prayer and let somebody know before you leave here that you've accepted Jesus. So I'm going to ask all of you to pray. Repeat after me, Father, thank you for making a way for me to be saved, forgiven, and free. I believe in my heart that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross to wipe away all my sins. I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus, I ask you now to be my Lord and my Savior, and I confess you as my Lord. Jesus, you are Lord. Amen.